Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, hour number two is here. Our thanks to Chris Johnson for joining us in hour one. If you missed that, you can download the podcast just by searching out OutKick 360. We're streaming live at OutKick.com. And if you're listening on this great radio station, we appreciate that. We hope you'll tag us on social media and let us know how you are hearing the show today or viewing the show today. You can join Chad in the chat, as always, on YouTube. John McClain with us as we kick things off from 6th and Peabody. We head to Houston. And gallerysports.com is where you can read his great work and plenty on NFL, college football. He had a great piece on Nick Saban last week. And um, uh, the Major, Major League Baseball playoffs as well, uh, you can catch as the Astros get set to take on Seattle. John, hope you're doing well. I am. I'm writing two Astros columns this week for gallerysports.com, which is one reason uh, I went to work for them. As you mentioned, the Saban column I wrote last week, people got a big kick out of his nicknames with the Oilers of Joyless Nick when he was working, uh, Nicky Martini when he was playing, and Nick Satan when he was coaching his DBs in the DB room. And uh, and when he left to go to the University of Toledo, nobody said, man, that guy someday is going to be the greatest coach in college history it is something remarkable what he's done at bama and the consistency that they've had uh john there is no consistency with the roughing the passer penalties um and i I mentioned earlier the guys and i think they agree this has turned into at least for me trying to define what is a catch from a decade ago it's now is this or is this not roughing the passer and i can't really tell you what is or is not anymore based on what we saw this weekend and last night Based on what we saw, the only people that thought those plays were roughing the passer were the officials that called it. It's just like Teddy Bridgewater, you know, going down on the first play of the game and a spotter in the booth, overly protective, see something nobody else saw, including on replay. Boom, he's out. They got to go with a third-string rookie. That would kill most teams if they were in that situation. Uh, Something that I've liked now for several years, every year at the league meetings, Bill Belichick has recommended to to the competition committee, which recommends rules changes to the owners, let the coaches challenge anything they want. And owners in the league be, oh, my God, the games would go forever. No, they wouldn't. You don't get any more challenges. You just, if you see something that is egregious, you challenge it. And so it wouldn't make the game longer, but I think they should do that because it could have corrected two really, really bad calls. I'm with you. Which one Which one did you hate more, <laughs> last night or the Brady one? 
Well, I can see they they they're overly protective of a forty five year old man going through a divorce. So the one last night <laughs> okay. on Monday Night Football, uh, uh, Jones put his left hand down to try to cushion the blow, and he had the ball in his hand. And what else could he have possibly done? When you put all of your weight on somebody, you're supposed to have your hands off the ground, your legs off the ground, and you try to bury them. And that was not the case. It was such a bad call. Now, there were other bad calls in that game, but that was by Josh McDaniels, and they deserved to lose. But, man, I hate to see teams lose because of officials' calls. And I'll guarantee you the league doesn't like it either. Everybody looking at that replay from Roger Goodell on down knew, just like with the Brady play and Grady Jarrett, those were not roughing the passer calls. But the officials, if they're going to err, they're going to err on the side of caution because they would hate to see, you know, you're not called Grady Jarrett and boom, Tom Brady's career is over. Well, if his career ends on that tackle, they've, he, he's, he's got more issues. Time. John, uh, Florio is tweeting this out, and I just want to react in real time here. He says, roughing the passer will be discussed by owners at their quarterly meetings next week, but do they really want things to change? And he's wrote a column about this that I haven't read yet, so I don't know his take. My take would be all they have to do is send a directive to the officials and tell them to not – you know, not call this based on what we've seen this past week. They don't need to meet about this. There's clearly uh, more of an emphasis made to this over the last 10 days or so. And to me, they can end this by saying, hey, what you were doing in week one and week two is just fine. They're not going to do that. They're not going to make any kind of major change like that on such short notice. That's the kind of thing they do at their March meetings when the competition committee has studied it, when they've gotten the opinion of coaches who they listen to, but don't do anything that they recommend because it's the owners. The owners always do what Roger Goodell wants. So I don't see any changes. It's also subjective. And remember, these officials, they get it ingrained into them every week. Protect the quarterback. I, I You're the money makers. I read earlier what Carl Cheffers and what Jerome Boger, Boger said about um, in the pool report, where they basically restate the rule and say, you know, I saw it as the rule says it can't happen. I'm of the opinion that that the next step, if we ever get a next step on any kind of officiating transparency, would be for Cheffers to say what he said and then say, but now I've seen the replay 10 times like everybody else, and I enforced it incorrectly, given a chance to see it a bunch more times. Will there ever come a day where an official says something like that the same way a player says I can't drop that ball at that moment or that was a dumb hit or, uh, you know, I can't commit pass interference in, in that moment where we tend to give those players a break after they say my bad to some degree. Never with a capital N will we ever hear an official say that, man, you know, you're right. I screwed up. They're not supposed to comment on anything besides all the galities and the referee speak. And then if, they, and if somebody's going to apologize, tell the Raiders and the Falcons they blew it, they're just going to send something to the coaches and say, yeah, it shouldn't have been called. And they get nothing out of that. By the way, Christian Fulton, the Titans cornerback, 
who committed what seemed a pretty clear pass interference that set the commanders up at the two-yard line for their three chances before Carson Wentz committed uh, through the interception that ended the game. He tweeted today on top of Brian Baldinger's breakdown of that play, and today the officials told us it wasn't a penalty. Well, because it was uncatchable. Oh, yeah. That's why. It was uncatchable, and it was obvious. It was thrown out of the back of the end zone, and they called pass interference on him anyway. Now, if, but if that's the ball him sharing the kind of thing that yeah, usually yeah. they don't want you to share, and yes. it stays in-house. John, um, Devontae Adams shoving the photographer. Um, it doesn't look like this is going away anytime soon based on the, the reports that we're seeing in, in Kansas City. But, <laughs> but that lawsuit's not going yeah, anywhere. That's what either. I mean, yeah. Like, but what do, you, what do you think happens here and his reaction in real time and then what happened in the locker room where he's trying to just mention that it was heat of the moment? Well, first of all, a lot of pushes and punches are heat of the moment. Uh, he shouldn't have done it. He should have to pay a penalty. I know this, if it had been me, I'd have been writhing on the ground, grabbing my back, and then I would have had him come out, put a neck brace on me, carry me off on a stretcher. <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious when they announced that it the injury was not life-threatening. And, uh, right. you know, you can't do that. And so he's going to have to pay a fine, get suspended for a day. And you know that guy's going to sue him. So at some point, I'm guessing there would be a settlement. But man, oh, man, the guy, he went down, he got up, then he had to get somebody to take him to the hospital. It is quite a relief. I went to bed fearing that he might die. And to wake up and know that it wasn't life-threatening was quite a relief. (laughs) The the narrative in the police report is something else, too. I mean – you know, at the end of the game, he was pushed to the ground causing injury. And I'm thinking, bruise? <laughs> what injury is going on here with that? The How, tailbone what bruise. Bothers yeah, me bruise. Ab- what bothers me about this, he did get pushed down. So he can file a report. That idiot <laughs> the last week who was running around on the field that got decked by Wagner and he filed a police report against Wagner. Wagner ought to turn around and sue him for some reason and force him to get an attorney and spend money to yeah. go to court. And that one was frivolous. Well, and at least Devontae Adams immediately apologized right when he got to the locker room. Then right when he got to his phone, he sent out an apology on Twitter. But even in the apology, he's, <laughs> he's basically saying, I mean, I'm, I was frustrated, obviously, with how the game ended, and then some guy just decides to walk right in front of me as I'm walking to the tunnel. <laughs> so I shoved him out of the Which way. Which wasn't the Again, case. I apologize to the guy who walked right, right in, front in front of me, of me. as I'm <laughs> walking to the tunnel for no reason. Uh, he's still kind of blaming the guy, like, what are you doing going right in front of me as I'm trying to get out of off this field? Brian, Brian Dayball in uh, New York is doing a, a Mike Vrabel-esque job with uh, f- some fill-in players. Uh, uh, he's got a much worse roster, but is doing similar work. Here's a new coach who's not touched the garment of uh, Sean McVay, <laughs> as far as I know. Come into a bad situation where they've had several bad coaches do bad work. Uh how much are you believe in and what the Giants are doing just based on the fact that the coach is doing such a You know whose garment work. he did touch, though, Paul, that you're going to love? Nick Saban. So he has been blessed by Nick Saban because he did work for him at one point. Well, I, I got a scoop for you. I had two sources telling me that Dable and McVay waved at each other as an airport, <laughs> and that helped him. What, I'm, what I don't understand here, and we're never, we're never going to get an answer, 
uh, Nick Serio has been looking for a head coach twice, and he and Dable worked together two times with the Patriots. They have the same agent, and he was never interviewed here. And people were wondering, well, was were Dable and Joe Shane a package deal from the Bills to go to wherever they went? And they went to the Giants. But the fact is, right now, if a vote for Coach of the Year were taken, it would be Dable. Two weeks ago, everybody was saying Doug Peterson was going to win the uh, Coach of the Year. But I don't think the Giants can sustain it because Daniel Jones plays hard, but he's not real good. And they've got receivers out. They've got marshals out. They've done a tremendous job to beat the two teams that had home field advantage in the playoffs last season. But I think when all said and done, it'll be Eagles, Cowboys, Giants will be behind them, and the Commanders will be a distant fourth. You know, uh, for all of the discussion we had all off season about how Brian Flores was screwed out of that job, no one's saying that now with Brian Dayball. <laughs> I haven't heard Brian Flores' name mentioned in a while. He's with the uh, Steelers, and what are the Steelers right now? Yeah, not, not well, good. Well, we, we only mentioned his name this week, John, because Steve Wilkes is the interim coach in Carolina. He's part of that lawsuit. And now he's a he he's was, a head coach in the NFL. He was a one and done with Arizona. They went with Cliff Kingsbury, shocked everybody, took Kyler Murray because he wanted him, shocked everybody. We could have a bunch more coaching changes. People ask me on my show here, uh, since I know Matt Rule a little bit, what of the open jobs would uh, I think he'd be best suited for? And I said, well, I would say Wisconsin because Wisconsin has a big-time program. And they always have good running backs and good linemen. But somebody said, what if Oklahoma gets rid of Venables? I said, well, I said, I would certainly be interested in being a head coach at the University of Oklahoma, even though they've lost three in a row and just got humiliated by TCU in Texas. What about Auburn if it comes open? Problem with Auburn is in the SEC. If I'm a head coach, I do not want to coach in the SEC. That's where Oklahoma will be. Yeah, Oklahoma's going to be there too. Yeah, but I'm talking about at Auburn where you're going to be second fiddle in your state as long as Saban's on this side of the grass. I don't think – I just don't see Saban I, – I could see Saban coaching until he's 80 years old. For sure. He looks great. He feels great. His teams are great. He's the greatest coach in college football history, one of the best in, in the history of the game. And I wouldn't want to be at Auburn going up against that. That's not just a back seat. You're not even in – you're in a trunk. John, you, you mentioned, you know, Matt Rule from from Baylor. And at the time when he was hired, I mean, everyone thought he was going to do well. I, I remember thinking at the time, this is a coach that was a bit unusual. He got the college-like contract, but people forget he turned down the Jets. And I think another job, because he wasn't going to be able to have the staff exactly the way he wanted. They were going to dictate who he could or could not hire. And so he was patient with the job that he wanted. He took the Panthers' job. And because he was patient and decided on that I thought it would work out a lot better than it has and man it was really bad first of all people talk about him coming from the NFL he's in the NFL one year and Matt's a college coach you know he did a great turnaround at Temple great turnaround at Baylor he's best suited for turnarounds you know if you go to a place like Wisconsin they're a perennial winner. You want to turn around a program, go somewhere like Arizona State. 
I read a couple of weeks ago, they haven't even gotten a commitment from any of the top players in their own state to go. They go to California or Utah, and that would be a good spot for him. And I don't see him going to Georgia Tech, but he might sit out of years making, what did he get, $62 million for seven years. His personality is better suited for college. And one of the problems that hurt him was hiring coaches that were his friends. Yeah. And two of them were fired along with him. And it was the Jets when Mike McCagnan was the general manager and they interviewed him. And it, they did not want him bringing his coaches from Baylor. And he insisted on it. And that's one of the things that led to his undoing. John, I know you're not a big better, but I thought you'd want to know about these odds that just came out. Total roughing the passer penalties in week six. The over-under is three and a half. What will happen first in the Commanders-Bears game? Roughing the passer penalty plus 110. Player tested for concussion symptoms minus 150. Will roughing the passer penalty be reviewable in 2023-24? Yes is plus 550. And then first player to generate roughing the passer penalty in week six, Aaron Rodgers plus 400, (laughs) Tom Brady plus 500, Joe Burrow plus 550, Daniel Jones remarkably plus 650, Trevor Lawrence plus 750, and on it goes. A lot of money to be made here in the concussion market. Those prop bets. I I would take on on the... roughing Brady because they want to protect him because he's old and because he's got all the hardware and he's the greatest of all time. He's also got so some precedent. Pro- he's he's already part of this yeah. thing. Let's let's protect Tommy. So I'm going to say a rough in the passer penalty because they're told to protect the quarterbacks. Now, the thing about the concussions and the ridiculous situation with Teddy Bridgewater, um, I, well, I feel bad for those guys because they got so much negative publicity out of it and i'm sure they got chewed out by the league and i don't know how they're ever really going to get it right and it's easy when you see a guy's head at the ground and uh or when they collide and have a helmet to helmet hit but i i tell you i would not you couldn't pay me to be an official the league's neuros independent neurosurgeon or the spotter i have to say uh, and i've been meaning to mention this just on refereeing in general I've seen some spots lately where guys have nailed it where I thought, like, I couldn't have told you if he was inside or outside that line in real time. No way. Or the Kyler Murray slide, like when he started his slide this past Sunday versus where he ended up, and they got it right in real time. Yeah. So uh, uh, they are blowing some stuff, but the amount of stuff that they get right in real time in in very fast speed is, is somewhat remarkable. John, uh, and it is remarkable because those guys get 98% of the calls right. And they went, we don't see over and over. What a great call that was. You might see it a couple times. Nothing like the controversy. And it's never going to change. It's always been that way. So what looked like a week where we maybe have two or three games that were really good in week six now shapes up because some bad teams now all of a sudden look pretty good. We, we have a great NFL weekend. That will be after what is a fantastic college football weekend. And when we come back, we'll preview, uh, among other headlines, the top two NFL games, which is for sure Chiefs and Bills, and then Cowboys-Eagles. That's all next with John McClain on Outkick 360.
What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. JP here in Sibia talks Major League Baseball postseason play with us coming up in just over 30 minutes. John McClain with us now, now kick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. John, uh, Chiefs and Bills this coming Sunday, 325 Central kickoff. And with the way both of these teams are playing, with the Chiefs down 17 last night and with uh, Josh Allen within the first couple of possessions putting up the numbers he did against Pittsburgh, this should be one of those games that uh, lives up to the billing. Should be like the playoff game last year in which Kansas City won one of the greatest playoff games in history. Both of them quarterbacks, both of the quarterbacks are coming off good games. I still can't understand how the Chiefs could lose to the Colts. Maybe that snapped them out of the doldrums and will help them run the table. Bills could win. Bills, I think, have now played at Arrowhead four or five times in the last two years, counting regular season and playoffs. I can't wait to see it. Texans have a bye week. I'm glad because there's a lot of good football I want to watch, college and the NFL in this game. And the Cowboys and Eagles are right at the top of my list. And if the Astros keep playing the way they are right now, getting shelled 4-0 by the Mariners and Justin Verlander, I won't have to worry about baseball game. John, how um, what is the the sentiment in Texas with Dak Prescott and the current winning streak that the Cowboys are on with Cooper Rush? I know he's not leading the charge by any means, but he's being steady. He's not putting them in bad spots, and they're winning games. What, what's the what's the feeling in Texas about Dak's recovering uh, from from the the hand surgery, the thumb surgery, and what do you think happens this week on Sunday Night Football with Philly? Well, if Prescott, I don't care. I think Philadelphia is going to win the game. The Cowboys beat them both times last season. I think Philadelphia's a better team. Now, Cooper Rush done a tremendous job. Uh, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, has done a tremendous job calling the plays that uh, help him do well and protect him, keep him out of bad situations. They got a good double-headed monster running game led by Tony Pollard, not Zeke Zeke Elliott, their defense is playing great. It's the first time since 1972 
when I was a freshman in college that the Cowboys have limited their first five opponents to fewer than 20 uh, points. So the defense is playing great. The Eagles' defense is playing great. But I think if Prescott plays, um, you know, he didn't play well in the first game. He got beat by the Buccaneers when he got hurt. But uh, I don't think anybody that really knows anything about football would think you should keep a healthy Dak Prescott on the bench and keep going with Cooper Rush. Detroit, at the very least, was scoring like crazy, and there was something for people to be excited about there. How much do you take out of the fact that the Patriots were able to absolutely shut them down and take the league's best scoring offense and shut them out? I'll tell you, Paul, another example. In 2016, Texans played a primetime game at Foxborough. Tom Brady was suspended. Jimmy Garoppolo was injured. They took rookie quarterback Jacoby Brissett, put him out there, limited his passing opportunities, had him run the ball a lot, played great defense. And this was against a Texans team that would win the division in a playoff game, get eliminated in the divisional round. They beat him 26 to nothing. So that's the first thing I thought about. That was great coaching, not just by Bill Belichick, but his staff as, as well. I thought they deserved a big tribute, and I'm stunned because the Lions were the highest-scoring team in the NFL, averaging 35 points a game. I'm not surprised they gave up points to Bailey Zappi. Everybody keeps talking about Zappi from Western Kentucky. He went there one year after playing three years at uh, Houston Baptist, and then he transferred, and I think he threw 60 touchdown passes yeah. last season. So it's a, they're doing a really, really good job with him but mainly their defense and their running game are doing a great job. John, there's two things we know. Number one, the Texans beat the Jags, even when the Jags are favored. And number two, the Colts can't beat Jacksonville. They meet this week. Indy got, uh, albeit it was an awful game, they got a win. It counts. They're 2-2-1 two, two and one after the Thursday night 12-9 final against Denver. Meanwhile, Jacksonville couldn't do anything with Trevor Lawrence against Houston and what was a 13-6 final. Um, what's your take on the, the upcoming matchup within the division, and which team do you th- would you take right now based on what you've seen from both of these teams against the Texans? First of all, I'm really pumped up about that Commanders-Bears game. I'll be on the edge of my seat. Thursday nights, one. baby. Wentz versus Fields, yeah. John. Doesn't get any better than yeah. that quarterback matchup. Yeah. You'd think for a billion dollars you'd get better. Um, the Jack, the Texans have beaten the Jaguars nine in a row. They've beaten them 15 out of 17. The last time they split their season series was before J.J. Watt got to Houston, 2010. That's amazing. And the only time they've won during all that period was in 17 when they were really good, finished 10 and 6, got to the AFC championship game and scared the pajabbers out of the Patriots in Foxborough. Trevor Lawrence, who looked really good in back-to-back games, looked terrible at Philadelphia in bad weather with five turnovers, four fumbles. And he comes in in this one, is intercepted in the end zone by Derek Stingley. And then he's trying to throw a Hail Mary at the end of the game. And the ball came down on like the 20 and was intercepted. And he overthrew some plays. Doug Peterson's play calling, I thought, was very suspect. You know, third and one, you go deep. You know, that's that's high risk. And so I wasn't impressed at all with 
with Peterson, but you know, Lawrence has got the arm, he's got the accuracy, but uh he just he continues to struggle. I don't know if it's coaching or him, but everybody couldn't have been wrong, could they? Everybody said he's a generational talent like they did Andrew Luck and John Elway. I think he'll turn out to be great, but he's 0-3 against Texans of all teams. What do you think about the Colts, though? I tell you, I watched them tie the Texans. And at the time I wrote, if, if Lovey Smith, an offensive – coordinator Pep Hamilton had played rookie Damian Pierce more than Rex bleeping Burkhead, they would have won that game. And today everybody believes me because Pierce is the, becoming the star of the team. He had a run Sunday for 20 yards in which he broke seven tackles. I have ever seen that in from the Texans. It looked like Earl Campbell. So they did an awful coaching job and that cost them a tie and the Colts were awful. And that was what John Ta- Jonathan Taylor ran for 160 yards. You know, if he's not healthy, they're capable of losing to anybody. And, boy, that they were so lucky to leave Denver with a victory. And I think that was just the two guys that blew that game, Nathaniel Hackett, who I think will be one and done, and Russell Wilson. John, uh, I mentioned right before the break, there, there are a couple of games that when the schedule is – starting to kick off in week one, week two. I'm not circling these games. I am now because of the New York teams. They won on the same – they're above 500 at the same time this this year for the first time since 2015. The Jets and the Giants have been above 500 together. And as I look at uh, their matchups this week, the Jets are on the road in Green Bay. Green Bay is coming off the loss to the Giants in London. And both teams that returned from London last week, uh, short rest, trying to – acclimate the whole thing they both won and now you have the Packers returning off a loss and the also the Giants are hosting Baltimore two really good games all of a sudden based on recent results yeah I'm telling you I'm not going to get too excited about the Jets at this time I think they'll go to Lambeau and lose I'm still stunned the Packers blew that Giants game Saquon Barkley's like Aaron Judge last year of his contract he's healthy he's playing great He's going to get a lot of money. It's tough, though, to use a running back that much over a 17-game season. I don't know who their backup is, but right now, Barkley has been fantastic the way he was, I think, in his second year in the league. Think how much fun talk radio is in the New York area. You got both those teams with winning records, Yankees in the divisional round. And if the Mets hadn't blown that series, (laughs) you know, the Mets won 100 games, but it's just a great time to be a sports fan in the New York, New Jersey area, as Paul knows. It's fun to talk about the choking Mets, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Spoken like a true Yankee fan. Let me ask you something, Paul, and tell me the truth on this. Would you rather the Yankees play the Mariners Oh, the Astros! Oh, absolutely, the, the, World the Mariners. But I'm not. I'm not convinced they're making it out of this Guardian series with the state of their bullpen right now. But I'd much rather play the Mariners, though. I, you know, if the Mariners get through the Astros, it means they're they're really hot. Who would the Astros rather play, John? The Yankees. I always want to play the Yankees. I love that. Yeah, bring it on. I love that. By the way, Matt Breida is the backup to Saquon Barkley in New York. They need, they need Barkley to stay healthy. John, just, just yes, they do. piggybacking off that with Giants and Jets, um, you're not buying the Jets now. 
What future do you buy more into, Jets or Giants, given that the Giants are quarterbacked by Daniel Jones, the Jets are quarterbacked by Zach Wilson? They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. Brian Dables, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, he's going to want his own quarterback. And so the Jets, Zach Wilson looked good uh, after he was injured, I would say the Jets, because the Jets have been stockpiling talent. And it's about time that talent uh, comes to fruition. Uh, let me ask you guys something, especially you, Chad Lack. Saturday, the Tide or the Vols, who's going to win? I think Alabama's going to win, but I think it's going to be close. I think even I think Bryce Young's going to play quarterback, but I, 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 I said earlier today, I think 38-30 Alabama, it's going to be that type of game. Um, but Tennessee's for real. They're, they are a legit top 10 team in the country. Regardless of what happens against Alabama, that's the type of team they are this year, which surprises me. I love watching Nandan Hooker. Of course, I love to watch Bryce Young because he might be the quarterback here next season. I'm also watching C.J. Stroud. But after watching that game at Alabama and uh, A&M come down to the last play, and I'm thinking my friends in Nashville who went to Alabama led by Jim Caden were holding their breath and then going a big whoosh, and uh, I hope Young can come back and play because that'll be right now game of the year in uh, the nation at this early point of the season. I want to I tie this in briefly here, and then Paul's got one on the way out. Um, you mentioned you could be watching the next Texans quarterback, Bryce Young. I thought they loved Davis Mills. And then I've been watching him but, play. I've been watching him play, and I don't disagree with you. Um, and I've seen a lot of hate for Davis Mills over the last three weeks. What's gone wrong? They never loved Davis Mills. All they said was Mills, based on the way he played over the last five games, deserved to be the starter this season. If it didn't work, then they'd look for somebody else. Pep Hamilton is the new play caller, and the offensive coordinator took Tim, oh, took Tim Kelly's place. Tim got criticized like crazy last year. Now people are mentioning Tim Kelly fondly because Mills is not the same quarterback and the only thing that's changed is Pep Hamilton. They don't throw the ball down the field. They run it. They're ultra conservative, no creativity and no imagination. Mills last year did a really good job on third down. This year he's worst third down quarterback in the NFL. His rating is 51 and he is last and above him at 59. Baker Mayfield. Oh. So they got to, after the bye, do something to try to straighten out Mills. But to me, it's not Mills. To me, it's the coaching. Broncos are a mess, obviously. No coincidence that it comes out uh, that Russell Wilson's shoulder is worse than we, we knew. Uh, how much stock are you putting into that as opposed to just uh, poor play, poor decision-making? And, and a poor combination with Nathan Hack, uh, Nathaniel Hackett right now. I think Hackett's one and done. He's gotten off to the worst start of any first-year coach I've ever seen. And when the uh, Broncos scored one touchdown and beat the Texans in Denver, um, Wilson was totally healthy. And I tell you what, that brain-dead decision he made to throw the ball in the middle of the field when he had Hamler wide open uh, I thought that had nothing to do with his with his injury. So it looks to me like they're making excuses for two hundred forty five million dollar quarterback. But if indeed it is bad, then he should have said it was bad. You still, it doesn't make you make bad decisions, and he's made a lot of them. 
John, which two and three team, and there's no schedule or roster that's created equal here. I, I realize that. Rams are two and three. Bengals are two and three. Who's in more trouble and why? The Rams, because they cannot protect Matthew Stafford. And Stafford, remember, he was hurt, had that, what was it, elbow problem they worried about. They're not using it as an excuse, but he's getting hit way too much. Their defense for having Aaron Donald is not playing as well. They're turning it over too much where the Bengals are playing a little better. Could have beaten Baltimore. So I, of the two teams, the one I see to bounce back more is Cincinnati, but I don't think either one of them is a Super Bowl threat. Do you believe in the Titans? I believe in the Titans to win the AFC South. Mike Vrabel is doing a hell of a coaching job considering the players he lost, considering the talent that he's got. Uh, I think this division is not as good as it was last year, and last year wasn't very good. So I don't see it the Colts. I know it's not the Jaguars, and I know it's not the Texans. It's Titans all the way. And I tell you this, wait, other teams are beating each other up. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if they don't at least get one playoff game at home. Well, think about, I mean, Paul, you mentioned right now. Well, if they third, win the division, right? they get a home playoff. Right. Game, right? That's so. the playoff game. They get it home. And you're, you're, you were saying right now they're third in the standings. Right now they're third in the AFC. Remo- well, and then consider, I mean, Miami, they've got quarterback issues now uh, based on everything that's going on with concussion, pro- concussion protocol. If you start looking around the AFC, uh, you know, the Raiders are going to knock off a couple of teams because they're, they're good, not great, and they're playing in that tough division. But the, the division's also losing more games than what we thought. Yeah. Bills or the Chiefs are losing one this coming Titans week. Titans go to the Chiefs in a couple weeks for Sunday night. They've already got slammed by the Bills. But it's conceivable. they could, I mean, third is not a giant leap because the worst they could be is a division winner's fourth. Right, right. John? Thank you as always. Enjoy the bye week. Enjoy the football this weekend. And we'll be reading your work at gallerysports.com. Thanks, John. Guys, thank you very much. I'll have a great rest of the week. You too. There's John McClain, one of the best. Go Yanks. At McClain underscore on underscore NFLs where to follow him on social. And Go when, Mariners right now, Paul. They're up 4 nothing on the Astros. That's Verlander, Verlander not, that's, that's shocking to There's me. There's some big-name pitchers who have not gotten it done so far in the playoffs, starting with the Scherzer Mets. Scherzer and, and DeGrom. Yeah. And now Verlander. Verlander. You think uh, that now Garrett a... Cole's going to go add his name to that list tonight? With uh, he'll give up or a three-run dinger in the fourth. No, Max, Max Freed was a hero last October, and he was off to a very bad start today for the Braves too. You think that has anything to do with the layoff, or is that just circumstance? I did. I did think in that first inning when it was two nothing. I'm thinking, boy, that layoff didn't seem to really help. <laughs> Eight days or yeah. whatever it was for the, the Braves Phillies came in batting yeah, first. Six days, it. I guess they played on Wednesday, but no one played. Uh, they they basically brought up their triple A team for that game on Wednesday when they had clinched. So well, best thing I heard about the layoff. I, I love little tidbits like this. The Yankees had like an inter squad thing on Friday, and Matt Carpenter came out, hit a home run off Nestor Cortez in that. So you know you don't want your number two starter giving up a dinger, but Matt Carpenter coming off injury, it's a good sign that he's hitting a home run. Well, yeah. all we can go by is the evidence we have right now, and the two teams that played in the three-game series this weekend are rolling Extending. against the teams that had a week off. We'll give you a scoreboard update when we return. J.P. and Sibia will be here in just over 15 minutes. We'll go through the headlines as well. Ron Rivera apologizing to Carson Wentz and more. That's next on OutKick 360.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 rolls on. J.P. Aaron Sibia joins us in studio in 10 minutes, and we will talk all things Major League Baseball and the playoff scenarios, the matchups that are underway right now in the NLDS. Later, it'll be the ALDS, uh, and we'll continue to update you on the Astros score. They're still down 4 nothing. the Mariners, right? 4 nothing. Mariners up on the uh, Astros. And, uh, yeah, No, sorry. The Astros just struck for two. 4-2 to two now okay. going into the fourth inning. Damn okay. Astros. And uh, Chad, give us the update on the Braves right now. Well, I was joking about my mom, who's always optimistic about everything sports, and anytime I get down or negative about anything, even when the the, the moment calls for negativity, right, uh, I will just right. be negative, which to me is being realistic with the situation. She gives you the best possible thing that could happen. So I joked about what the Braves need to do in the bottom of the ninth, trailing 7-3. Seven to, seven to three. She's a bloop and a blast. Well, guys... Fan. They're starting to do it. Ronald Acuna singles. Okay. Dansby Swanson singles uh, to deep right, After and it's first and third outs. now with no outs, down seven to three. So all you need is one swing and a home run here, and you're down one in the bottom of the ninth. So that's what the Braves I like need the right now. Singling to deep right, yeah, which well, most I'm, people call doubling. I'm watching uh, the game cast, so all I see is that little loop. That goes into right, and it says Dansby Swanson single to deep right, but it advances Acuna to third, and he's at first. I, I, I want to know why Swanson is not on second. They also could have given me the description of deep right, and really it was just right, and he had to move a little bit to his left, which if Acuna was running or he had a good jump, good jump. he's going to get to third. Ron That's Rivera apologized to Carson Wentz this morning, um, and he said that uh, he, he didn't really – have to call him yesterday after the press conference. I'll tell you what he said. If, if, if OC, I guess, and the media relations coordinator for Washington called him up and said, hey, this is going to hit the media, where Ron Rivera was asked, what's the difference between his record and the Washington's record in the division and the other teams that are 4-1 or 5-0? and And his one-word answer was, quarterback. <laughs> I did my Fox now, News rundown on this. Which is now, a great response. So, hit, And he's absolutely right in respect to the turnovers and the predictable aspect of when they're going to happen in the crunch time moments. Um, but he also is today clarifying by saying, well, it's, it's because the, the addition at quarterback and he needed more time to get acclimated to the offense. He I'm indicated thinking, that yesterday too, like, that, Rivera, that other like, teams have had some But I'm thinking um, Cooper Rush is a backup that's not turning the football yeah, over. And Daniel Jones is not good. Right. And has had a lot of coaching turnovers. Yes. But yes. what Rivera's telling us is, guys, do you know what I could do with Cooper Rush at quarterback? What this team could be if I had a quarterback that great instead of Carson Wentz, the guy that I have right I, now? I appreciate that he was just somewhat candid I, about I, it. Honest. And if you look Absolutely. at the second down play, and I can't remember who uh, uh, Carson Wentz was throwing for on the second down play. This is the one where Tier Tart, the, the Titans' largest player, 
who's very large but not ginormous because other teams go bigger than the Titans, a defensive tackle who dropped into coverage and then slid over and, and dove to knock this ball down. There's a slow motion version of this out where this, this it's either a tight end or a running back, was open for a good beat that Carson Wentz just didn't pull the trigger. He had a game-winning touchdown there if he, he gets it to this guy. He waits long enough that a defensive tackle slides over to break it up. A defensive tackle, by the way, who leads the Titans in pass breakups with five, which is a problem of its own for another That's team. That's amazing. But Carson Wentz, uh, he does not recognize things. He, he, he doesn't have it. And, and we said, I said, when he went to Washington, look, he's better than what they've had, but he's not good enough to, to be a, a, a team's franchise quarterback, and that's exactly what you're seeing here. I mean, he threw, he had well, four passes that added up to 171 yards. That's terrific. I mean, this, this is but the he's swan not good song to of win. Carson Wentz as a starter. Yes. Right? Well, this is the- and he'll be a nice backup. And maybe by the remember middle the, of the season. Remember the training camp interview with the, the local TV guy who said, do you buy in that this is your last chance yeah. as a quarterback? I mean, and I, I, let me say this about what Ron Rivera said. I'm more angry about the fact that we're so surprised that he actually said that. Because that's one of the more honest, real things Ron Rivera said. And no, any coach. No NFL coach is real and honest. There is nothing wrong with him saying that. Nope. We just coddle the quarterback so much across the National Football League, and coaches are guilty of this, that they can't state the honest truth that the difference is we're not getting as good a play from the quarterback position. Just say that. This is a grown man getting paid to play quarterback. It's okay if you're honest and tell the media, this guy's not as good as the other one so far this year. Doesn't mean he can't be. You don't have to crush him and say we're buried forever, but you could say that's the di- you asked me the difference, that's the difference. Well, there was a time where Jerry Glanville going into a game against Carson Wentz could say, we, there are plays to be made against that guy. Matt Olson, three-run homer, 7-6, to six, one out in the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Withrow. Down and down to one. We're down to one. Who's at bat now? Debbie Withrow would be very pleased right now. She's watching on vacation. Uh, William Contreras. Where is, is she up. vacationing? Contreras, one for three. She's in Kiowa Island, South Carolina, nice. close to Charleston. Lovely. Yeah. Eating some crab cakes and... They're playing, the they're playing train. They go to a house, and all the old people in my family get together and play this card game, train. And I'm thinking, you oh, guys could do this online every night if you wanted <laughs> together, but you have to go to this location and not do anything but play train. Good um, game? I don't understand it. I don't know if it's good. I'm not a cards guy, but I watch them play, and it's like a lot of math involved. They've got sheets of paper out and pencils, and I don't know. It's complicated to me. A few years, you'll be asked to play. So the Commanders play Thursday, right, against the Bears? Yeah. Awful game. More quarterback issues. Justin Fields, Wentz. Will we see Taylor Heineke or Sam Howell? The media in Washington, they're talking about Sam Howell more than they are Not this Taylor week. Heineke. Not on the short week, on the long week. Next week. Get ready. It's time. Wentz is almost the backup it's time. sooner than we think. It's Carson Wentz time. JPR it's JPR time, too. That's Here next he is. on Outkick. Go Yanks.